chapter 2 and verse 42 through 47, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and giving favor and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added the to the church daily those who are being saved. We see that there's tremendous fruit that comes from those uh, uh, that that gathered and were committed and were dedicated uh, to to sitting under the apostles' teaching and to fellowshipping and to breaking of bread and to prayers and and through those four pillars of the church, this this uh, the results are phenomenal. You know. Uh, the fear of the Lord began uh, to be more prevalent in their in their culture and in their community. Uh, many signs and wonders were done. Uh, uh, everyone who was gathered together understood that uh, together they were stronger than they were individually, and so pooling their their time, their talents, their resources, and and saying everything that we have we have together uh, allowed uh, the work of God to continue and to extend and. And they were daily with one accord in the temple and, and breaking bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart. So there was a, a benevolent spirit, a spirit of hospitality that was present. And, and then we can see this spirit of praise, praising God and having favor. And here it penetrates once again into uh, the, the culture and to the community, having favor with all the people, not just those that were believers, but even those that were outside of the faith. And then the Lord did marvelous things in the community, adding to the church daily those who were being saved. So we, we can see the book of Acts has, uh, there's multitudes of themes in the, in the book of Acts. And we've been looking at prayer in the, in the book of Acts. And we're going to continue to do so tonight. Uh, and then going forward uh, on Wednesdays through the summer, we're going to be looking at various aspects of prayer, different kinds of prayer that are mentioned throughout the New Testament and once again, spending time praying as a congregation. And I think it's important that we apply the truth of God's word that we're being instructed in and so that we can see God glory, uh, God's glory and we can see him honored. And we need to be, you know, really proactive in our prayers. And And I, I think there's times where we hear about a report and we go to prayer and and those prayers avail much. And But I also know that there's there's times where we need to be ahead of the curve. We need to be we need to be praying for our day before we step out of the door. And we need to be, you know, in prayer for our family before perils and tests and trials. And and in our workplaces, we need to be praying for those that we we, you know, go to work with every day and and not just be reminded when we get there, oh wow, I wish I would have prayed. And so I I want to admonish you that the the pattern of prayer and the purpose of prayer so that God's will and purpose can manifest in the earth and and so that we can see all of these results the the fear of God becomes more prevalent and outreach and evangelism takes place the needs of the people are met uh and and multitudes of things took place because people were proactive in praying 
And, and I believe that God is still the same. I don't think that he's changed one bit. And, and we need to, we need to get with, with his program and, and not just ask him to, to bless and, and do things in regards to our programs. And, and, and so tonight I want to fast forward into the book of Acts and I want to read a portion of scripture in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 that I find to be very insightful and beneficial to us as we look at prayer in the book of Acts. Now, this is a gathering uh, that the Apostle Paul has has called for. It's uh, a group of elders that are in the city of Ephesus, and they're the pastors that are, have been set in the local church in, in Ephesus. And because Paul w- was not allowed to move about in Ephesus freely because of the persecution and and the possibility of him uh, actually being captured and and uh, and and the authorities actually ending his life is on is a thirty miles away in a community called Miletus, and he calls for the elders of Ephesus to come to him. And this is uh, a window or a picture into a pastors' conference, and and I, I I find this to be very encouraging because the question that I walked away with as, as I got into ministry many years ago, as I, as I finished out Bible school and, and started, you know, uh, sort of following, uh, the, the Lord's path for my life in ministry, uh, I would ask myself occasionally, who ministers to the ministers? You know, there's God in, 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 in my, to, in the conclusion I have is I have to have a pastor in my life. That, that I have to have someone who's just not a figurehead, but someone who's, who's pastoral, uh, who I consider my pastor, who I can submit to as my pastor, who I can get counsel from as my pastor, who I can get encouragement, instruction, and, and in times correction from someone in my life. Because I, I know if pastors aren't being pastored, they're, they're not going to be very effective long-term in pastoring because, um, you, just as as uh, any other relationship, you know, it's everybody needs somebody in order to grow. Uh, we can't grow apart from the people that God has put into our life. And so I do have a pastor, and uh, and I and I hope to have him to come and and be with us this year, so he can minister to us as a congregation. And it's a I can call him any time. Uh, he's available to me. He answers the phone, uh, and if not, he always gets back with me. And uh, he listens. He prays with me. He encourages me. Does all the things that that I need in my life. And uh, so here we see the Apostle Paul pastoring pastors, and 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 we're going to see the the impact of this relationship and the dynamics of it, and some of the instruction that he gave them. So follow with me. Uh, as we begin in, in verse 17, it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith 
towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now you see, or now you see, and now you see, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. Here's his attitude, though. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race, my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among uh, <clears throat> among whom I have, have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Uh, therefore, as a result of this, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and here's what they did and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Uh, there was a posture in which they took after these words of instruction. Uh, this is a summary of a, of a conference that took several days. Uh, and really, and, uh, and it's really a, a grand teaching. Uh, several years ago when I was down uh, with Victorious Christian Harvesters at their International Harvest uh, Bible School, I, I taught for three days on this portion of Scripture alone. And I taught six to eight hours a day is, is how deep these verses go but here's the point when it comes to us as the as the new testament church is that that we have to be praying together we have to find time to pray together and because ministry doesn't happen outside of prayer lives don't get changed outside of prayer uh people aren't you know anointed and and useful and uh and and actually functioning uh, for the glory of God outside of having a prayer life. And, and prayer is something that's very personal, but it's also something that God has called us to do together publicly. And, and it said uh, uh, one of the bits of instruction is that Paul not only taught publicly, but he also spent time with people privately, that he would go into their homes because... Uh, uh, some of the, the subject matter that he had to talk to him about privately, he would never do publicly. The reason that, that ministers at times go and visit or, or, uh, people is, is sometimes because there's, 
there's needs that they have and they can't get to church. And so, you know, the pastors are called to go to those homes and minister to those individuals. There's, there's times where someone is struggling and they need encouragement. They need instruction. Sometimes people are living in disobedience and they've permitted sin into their life and the pastor goes or the minister goes to try to reconcile them and to get them, uh, you know, to get back on page with God. But, but the purpose is they're always to connect people with Christ and to, to help them to live a life that's Christ-centered. All ministry and all fruitful ministry, whether it's instruction, whether it's admonition, whether it's correction, is all done with this intent in mind. May God be glorified in your life. May he, maybe he become more enlarged. May, may your heart be enlarged towards him. And, and this is, this is something so, uh, so vitally necessary. And, and sometimes we, 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 you know, we read these portions of scripture and, and we, you know, uh, it, it's sort of like, uh, the people that went, that went to the West and, and seeking gold that, that some people just were panhandlers. I mean, they would just, you know, get into a stream and, and they would get a pan and, and, and they would, you know, get some rock and you could get some gold that way. But the people that, that really became wealthy and affluent are people that mined for gold. I mean, they dug and, and they had depth in, and they were willing to sacrifice and pay the price and they just weren't, you know, uh, trying to get gold off the surface. They knew that if they were going to strike it rich, you had to dig deeper. And I, 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 th- I think that the church, sometimes we pray, but it's almost surface prayer. It's, it's not prayer that penetrates. It's not prayer that actually has depth and width and height. It's, it's almost, uh, you know, prayer, uh, just to pray. And praying to pray isn't really praying. Praying is, is meant from our heart to the heart of God as a father to invite him to do what only he can do. And here's uh, how I want to transition into the next portion of our reading before we do pray is, you know and I know when we're praying. And we know when we're just going through the motions of prayer. Everybody can assess that in their own life honestly. And what I want us to do is just move beyond the appearance of prayer into the the pursuit of God in prayer. And... And here's one of the ways that we can all sort of uh, sign on for this is when we're praying, we're asking God to do things that only he could do. Therefore, he is the only one that gets the credit. And so the way that we know that our prayers have been answered is when we know that only God could do that. So here's the question. When's the last time that you said, that was an answer to prayer because only God knew what I said and only God could do that. And if it's been a while, then I want, I want to encourage you to not just be a surface prayer, to pray more specifically and to go farther in your prayers. Ask the big, the big God that we serve to do big things. Don't ask him to do things that you know you can do. And, and that sounds like, well, why would I pray then? Um, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have the answer for every individual who may think that way. But 
I know that just praying on the surface isn't what the early church did. And the posture of their prayer shows me that, that they humbled themselves, they knelt, and they prayed. Okay, let's go on to chapter 21. And I want to read it. It says, Now it came to pass, in verse 1, that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos, the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus and and passed it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed in Tyra. And from uh, for there, the ship was to us to unload our cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So this is the second time we 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 can see where. Other believers are saying, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And, uh, and when he had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our own way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. There's a, another example after being with a group of disciples for, for seven days. So they went from you know, port to port to port to port, and they finally got to the port where they're unloading the, their cargo. So they're going to be on leave for seven days. Uh, they found believers in the community, stayed with them, and and in their, their time together, some of their conversation had to be spiritual. It had to be because these believers said to Paul, we're beseeching you, plead by the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. Now, the, the elders at Ephesus say, said the same thing to him. You know, that, that, and Paul even said, I know what awaits me and I know what's in front of me, but I'm willing to go. And now here is this confirmation, these, these believers that were sensitive to the spirit of God and, and said things uh, to, to Paul to try to encourage him. And he said, I'm going, and he sort of had his face set like flint, and he was going. So at the end of the seven days, when they were ready to get back on the ship, they all accompanied Paul uh, to the dock, and those that were traveling with him, they knelt down and they prayed. And they they didn't just take anything for granted. They just committed and consecrated everything into the hands of God. Let's continue to read, because it gets even more detailed. Uh, And it said in verse 6, And when we had taken our leave... Of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. And when uh, we had finished our voyage uh, to Tyra, we came to, uh, to, I'm going to get this, Ptolemus, and greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. Now, one of the seven is reference to Acts chapter 6, that Philip was one of those that was selected uh, by the leadership to serve. And, and now they're in his home, and this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now, we can see that the early church was, was a consecrated group of people. They, when they went into a community, they looked for those that were like-minded. They found them. They were, there was hospitality. There, 
There was evidence of Christianity in their homes. There was the earmarks of, of them being consecrated to God. And, and as a result of that, there were many things that happened that were dynamic and that influenced whole communities and uh, whole people groups in the, in the first century church. In verse 11, it says, when, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. Now, oh, let me go. Verse 10. And when he and and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, uh, he took Paul's belt bound by his own hands and feet. And he says, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he could not be persuaded, we cease saying anything, basically is what they're communicating there. And they uttered these words, the will of the Lord be done, which was a, was a prayer of consecration. So we see, you know, prayer uh, and the church being active in prayer, believers being active in prayer and but one of the things that, that I want to finish with and then we're going to pray is that whether it was Paul that was perceiving what was going to happen to him, whether it was the disciples that recognized that peril was in front of Paul, whether it was Agabus that came down from Judea. And Judea is where Jerusalem was. It was the region of the nation of Israel where Jerusalem was. So uh, Agabus probably came from the city of Jerusalem led by God's spirit to go to Philip's house and to talk to Paul and to let him know when you come to Jerusalem because word on the street is you're coming and we hear that you're coming and no one's been able to persuade you not to come. I'm going to give you an illustrative example of what's going to happen to you when you do come to us. He took his belt he took Paul's belt and he bound himself and he said, this is what it's going to look like for you when you come. And Paul said, I'm coming anyway. Um, now, this is a, a point of great discussion and debate among, among Christian teachers, theologians, Bible scholars, is that was Paul disobedient? Was Paul disobedient in going to Jerusalem? Did Paul get out of the will of God going to Jerusalem? And there's really two sides of a coin that you can look at with this. I, I believe Paul was a person of prayer. And if it was in his heart, he was ready to be, he was, he was okay with being persecuted. He was okay with suffering. He had come to be at peace that not every field, not every assignment, not everything that God had asked him to do would be easy. He wasn't looking for the easy road. He was looking to follow the will of God. Now, I believe that he was in the will of God and that God was just confirming what was going to happen. But there was a lot of emotion and there were a lot of opinions by those that were counseling and encouraging Paul. And Paul, being the most mature and the senior leader among them, was saying, please, the weeping is hard to take. 
it's hard for me to watch you. I'm okay. I'm okay with going. I'm okay with what's going to happen to me there. I'm okay with the persecution. I'm okay with what's going to happen. And I believe he was okay because I think he prayed it all the way through. There's sometimes that, that, you know, the Lord asks us to do things and we may not be, you know, it may not give us the warm and fuzzies to go talk to certain people, to, uh, to witness, uh, to give, to serve, to do whatever it might be. But if you pray about it and you pray about it with some depth and with a, a desire to be committed and consecrated no matter what, then it will create within you a willingness to do what God wants you to do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.